In this week's episode, I interview Roisin, who was actually one of our attendees of the Fire Europe retreat back in May. It was great to meet her and her family in person. She brought her two daughters and her husband over, and it was great to hear about her story, about her portfolio for properties that she currently owns in the UK. But today we talk about financial education, what she's doing to financially educate her daughters, how she has helped them gain a drive and a purpose in life in order to understand how money works and to find a career that they love. So we discuss strategies, we discuss how her daughters are responding and how they're already interested in financial literacy. So very interesting for those who have children and even those who don't, you'll also learn how to kickstart other people's financial education. So a great episode. Enjoy and see you on the other side. Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them, about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage, and making the most of your money. This was your hosts, Alvar, Arminta, and Matthias. Right, okay, here we go. So, hello everyone, Fire Europe listeners. I'm very excited today to be talking to uh, Rosie Farrell, uh, who is who was one of our attendees of the Fire Europe uh, retreat conference in Portugal exactly a month ago. Actually, we were just saying that it was just a month ago. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. In the morning, we had speeches and debates. And in the afternoon, we were doing you know touristing and uh, boat trips and surfing. And uh, Roizen and her family uh, were one of the attendees. And it was great to chat and uh, do some talk about real estate and even peer-to-peer investing. It was very cool. So uh, hello, Roizen. How are you doing? Hi. How are you doing, Araminta? It's great to have you on. Today, I, I, I want to be talking a bit about financial education uh, with your children because you brought our uh, your children to the retreat and you want your children to uh, learn about money as soon as possible. So, But before we get into that, can you tell maybe our listeners a bit uh, who you were and, and what is it that you do at the moment uh, here you're from the UK, in, in the UK? Yeah, basically, I rent property. I'm also a Pilates and yoga instructor and I've got a master's in HR and training which I did for over a decade and I made the move into fitness just recently. Cool and you're based in the UK England right at the moment? That's right absolutely yeah. (laughs) Nice. Uh, So talking about financial education uh, and and your children what is it that really got you started in this whole world of of educating or educating yourself also uh, financially? Well, honestly, listening to the podcast has kind of made me read a bit more. I've only recently started reading up on financial approaches like Your Money or Your Life, which Heidi on the retreat recommended me to read by Vicky Robin, um, Afford Anything ebook, Escape by Paula Pant, and Reset by David Murray, which was on one of your podcasts. So instinctively, I just started investing in property as soon as we could afford to, my husband and I. It was just uh, gut reaction of I need to get my independence somehow and this is how it's going to work. And so how many years ago was that or how long ago was that? That was about 2002. Wow okay that's yeah okay so you're one of the early uh, FI discoverers or would you call it more wealth building? I wasn't calling it anything honestly I um, when I came out of junior school (laughs) The teachers said she'll make a nice wife for someone and I had other ideas. There was no way I was marrying. So I was just not 
I was not going down that route. I wasn't going to be dependent on anyone. And my granny died when she when I was about 14 and she had bought two shops, which she sold and bought her house at auction. And my aunts were telling me this story and I just thought, wow. And she lived off all that money till she died and still left a load to my aunt. So, you know, I just thought, yeah, that sounds like a sensible plan. I'll do that. <laughs> nice. So it's like an inspiration from your grandmother. Yeah, kind of, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And she was pretty cool and she used to let us play in the shop and we got a lot of money awareness through that. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's nice. And so if we discuss a bit uh, your personal story behind uh, your building wealth, would you be okay with telling us a bit, you know, where you started and where you are now in terms of your FI journey? Yeah. So my husband and I met when we were about 17, 18 and we had very different approaches. So he's a real saver and I was literally happy to spend it all and just eat beans when I didn't have anything else. Um, So we've gradually come together on that um, approach now. We're very frugal, but we also, I push for holidays occasionally. (laughs) So basically, when we could, I decided that we needed to start looking for flats because renting is just such dead money. And um, and I wanted to start building this property um, portfolio. And my husband was absolutely convinced that we couldn't do it. So I basically just asked him if we can ask a friend who was a mortgage advisor, actually a financial advisor. And he said, yeah, you've got plenty of money. That's fine. Go off and find something. So we did. And we got a mortgage and we started with a small maisonette in London. And then we moved to Norwich and bought a small house in Norwich. So instead of selling it in London and moving to Norwich and buying something bigger, um, I was adamant that I wanted to keep that as a buy-to-let. My husband wasn't that keen Um, he just didn't want the hassle. He didn't want moaning tenants or anything like that. And I said I would deal with that side of things if he dealt with the paperwork. So we split it that way and moved to Norwich. Then we moved to a slightly bigger place in Norwich and kept that other house. And then we got another place in London. So it's a very small portfolio, but it kind of keeps us busy. (laughs) Definitely not a small portfolio. Well, not by my standards, (laughs) am I? Yeah, but you're 20. You've got time. <laughs> no, but I mean, and still a good job getting four properties then in total, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and you've lived in three of them, so you've gotten to know the area well and the property well, and then you're like, yeah. okay, this is a good buy to let. Yeah, That's yeah, cool. absolutely. And it's um, it's just never letting go of anything, you know. Mm-hmm. I love all the research and I love finding out about properties and I have a small, <laughs> a small problem with wanting to buy them every two years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We get through that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, so. You would say that you're you started on your wealth building phase through real estate, and if I remember correctly, uh, when we were discussing this back in Portugal, you said that mm. you one of your properties you had turned them into a council um, house. Could you walk yes. us through a bit how uh, what was the thought process behind that and how well, working? Well, we had. We'd had enough of um, the daily. We have a lot of tenants in the beginning who were just incredible and very self-sufficient and really happy with the solutions that we provided, the trade people that we found for them. Or they had people that they knew and we just paid for it. Absolutely worked beautifully. And then I think there was a lot of bad landlord behaviour and bad press on that and the Um, tables turned I think it was basically the tables turned against the small 
landlord because larger landlords really didn't care. They've got management companies and they weren't getting hit by it. But the landlord who was in touch with the tenant was really getting slammed all the time because there was a lot of negative press about how, you know, evil we were and how we were trying to constantly undermine the tenant's rights, etc. We have never operated that way. So unfortunately, we, because we were so like open and caring and making sure that they had absolutely everything that we would want in a flat, we kind of got a bit too much from them. So they were calling us if the walls weren't the right colour or things like that. It really got down to the minutiae and it was really insufferable. So we decided to look into renting out to the council and it seemed very straightforward and it's a three-yearly contract and so far I haven't I've had one call which was dealt with fine and that's it's been lovely <laughs> it's been so nice that's really um, interesting I've never heard of uh, well before meeting you I had never heard of the strategy of uh, getting the council to of your flat so it was very interesting to hear your take on that and um, for anyone in the UK who's interested in property and who doesn't want to be bothered with the management part letting the council do it is also a, an option right yeah it takes a huge amount of investment to get the flat to mm. their standards because even though our flat was in really good condition they needed fire doors oh, yeah. they needed a certain type of carpet it was all very very it just seemed to never end so we were out of pocket for a long you know, this year we'll, we'll have a horrible loss because um, it was unrented for so long because they insist on not even viewing the flat until it's completely empty. Mm. So they won't risk a tenant being put out for a flat. I don't know what their thinking behind that is because it's it's really, really painful. <laughs> yeah, it's very inefficient. It's really, it doesn't make sense fiscally for the landlord except in the future. So yeah. I'm hoping that will pay off. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, moving back on to today's really main uh, topic of this episode, when, when did you really understand that your children needed a financial education and that this was important? Well, when they were born, I wanted them to be dentists. <laughs> now I want them to do something that they choose um, and have a passive income to support themselves. But ultimately, they have to make that choice. Um, I think money is the key to independence. And so is trusting your judgment and having your own set of values and people around you who kind of share those values and support you with that. Yeah. And, and where does financial education come into this or how, what are the different things you think your two girls need to know in order to be financially educated? So we went through a phase where they got pocket money and they were just allowed to spend it however, and they got it in their little hot little hands and they instantly needed to get rid of it so they went through a phase at the beginning where they were just frittering it away on sweets or anything that caught their eye in the shop and we've let them do that and then we were sort of like this is a spreadsheet that we use you know this is gradually we've kind of filtered in different messages you know about how we budget our money and you know if you want to go to pizza express where well, you can go to pizza express but then we can't go to the cinema which, which do you want more you know so that they don't feel like there's a magic money tree and they don't feel like uh, they can see the money disappearing so we you know we then set up bank accounts for them they could see that the level in their banks uh, higher or lower than their sisters <laughs> and so you know they could they could kind of um work out that it was going down and that 
once it was gone, it was gone. Yeah, that, that's, um, I think a lot of us, well, I don't know. Uh, I, I certainly had a bit of pocket money and I learned how to, I learned the basics with that. And it was interesting. I know in the US, they like to divide by three, you know, the, the give bucket, yes. the save bucket and the spend bucket. Is that something you've tried? I just want it to be simpler for them. You know, I say spend half, save half if that's what you want to do. Save more if you can. I just think it's, um, I don't want to be too prescriptive with them. They are pretty giving children and there's a lot of charity work going on at their schools. So I'm really happy about that. But in what we buy every day, we try to make ethical choices. So we'll try to shop at shops. You know, when we buy our treasured, saved for things, we'll try and shop at shops that are against using sweatshops. We'll try to buy ethically, locally, organically, naturally, you know, environmentally friendly, you know, all of the all of the labels. (laughs) So I'm just, you know, we're trying to sort of filter all of that onto them without overwhelming them with it so it's just like you know these are our values you you pick and choose it's up to you you know occasionally they'll make a guilty trip to Primark and you know for a a a thing that they just have to have that all their friends have and they'll come back and they'll you know they'll confess that they went to Primark but it's it's not a big deal it's up to them it's their money so they get to do what they want yeah of course and do you feel they are currently uh, comfortable with money. What do you think they're, they're currently, their feelings are? I think they're good with money at the moment. I think they are probably more aware of it than most of their peers are. I'm gently trying to suggest, and by gently, I mean repetitively <laughs> dropping it into the conversation, um, trying to suggest that they think about what they'd like to do as a job. Um, I'm trying to think about, you know, whether they want to start up enterprises like selling stuff on eBay or Facebook through my Facebook account. I don't want them to have their own accounts yet. They're too young. But yeah, I've, I've sort of gently dropped this into the conversation. I haven't had anything come back yet. I feel like, you know, I've had comments come back like, we're too young to work. Why do we have to? Our friends don't. And it's like, I'm trying to get it round to them. No, I'm trying to give you the leg up so that you've got more experience and savvy than your friends so that when you go for that job in Hollister or wherever you're desperate to work, you'll have more on your CV and you'll have more about you in the interview. So I'm just trying to get that message across. But at the moment, it's coming a bit like a diktat in their minds. Yeah. So <laughs> I have to ease off that. And they're, they're currently 12 and 14, right? Yeah. That's right, yeah. Yeah, 12 and 14 is very close to 16, which is when you start working. Uh, but it's still, you know, just the teen, the teen years, I remember them. Yeah, I just think before the GCSEs and everything is a nice time to get your head around working for other people for a bit because, A, they're going to be young enough to be really mollycoddled and, B, they're not going to have any exam pressure. They're not going to be thinking about school all the time. You know, they're still within that sort of floaty, floaty, yeah, well, you know, if it works out, it's not you know, it's great, but if it, if it doesn't, it's not the end of the world and we'll just ditch it and start something else. It's fine. It's just to get their toe in the water, really, just to give their confidence a boost. Mm, yeah, I like that. Toe in the water, kind of mm. give them a taste of what it's like to work. Yeah, I did try 
try to get my, my, I sat my daughter down one summer and we sort of went through all the things that she was interested in. And I said, oh, are there any things that we could do to get you more exposure to these so that you could do them, Mm -hmm. you know, as a job? Yeah, it's good to get a taste of it because I feel that, well, I, I, you know, I know siblings and and, uh, people my age who have not still had a taste of it. And, you know, I think you have more of a shock when you enter the the working world. And you get less sympathy if you're older. You know, people expect you to have had some exposure. I don't know how because there's so little out there for young people, but... You know, they do sort of think that you're going to be up and running yeah, a bit quicker. And and talking about that, what are some other like strategies that you might use to get your daughters comfortable with money? I don't know some game. You mentioned pocket money, but are there any other games or or uh, strategies you use? We have um, in law. I have in laws who are both teachers, and so they always played money games. I mean, their first love was. Shakespeare and English and all of that but they still played money games with the the children and they were really really good about doing number games and that sort of thing and and sorting which is still mathematical but not so obviously mathematical Um, and so shopping list is a game by Orchard and that's a really good game because um, they they just basically it's basically a memory game, but it's about shopping. And when I went shopping with them, they would make a list and we would go around the shops and then they would compare the prices. So they would see, you know, how many in a packet, was it good quality? Is it the sort of quality we wanted? Was it organic? You know, that sort of thing. Why was it more expensive? And did we want to go with that expense or did we have a to stick within the budget so that sort of thing um, at different levels for their age groups was sort of washed over them so that they, they do that now in shops for themselves they go in and they'll compare the price and you know think about use per wear and you know whether they'll it'll go with some other thing in their wardrobe already or whether they're just buying it because they love it <laughs> and they'll never wear it again so they're very they're very good at that they use their savings for some school events. Um, I show them the expense sheets that we use that my husband and I fill out. Well, my husband does it and we go through it line by line together. And I point out in shops where they're, they're using marketing tricks. So I'll sort of say, you know, the sweets are all by the cash desks. They're putting all of the sales stuff in this order because they're the ones they want sold first. You know, and so I'll hopefully have them a bit immune to all of the tricks that they use in. in wow, shop. I really like that. Just making them conscious, right, of what's going on. Yeah, my husband has a book which is oh god, it's something like it's to immunise your children against marketing strategies. Ooh. It's amazing. Yeah, I'll find out the name of yeah, it. Yeah, and maybe send you the link. That sounds very interesting. What What's great about uh, having, I guess, or financially educating a twelve and fourteen year old is that you do get some feedback right you kind of hear what they like or what they're not interested in and I'm curious as to hear what you what you feel has been their favorite part do they enjoy kind of this financial education and and what do you think is what what are they yeah do they value you think what you're teaching them yeah yeah they love board games they love monopoly they love um, strategy games and they're all going to help them to create their own because I don't I don't want them to think it's all just about maths and money and you know it comes in and it goes out it's about thinking how you want to sort of sculpt your life and and money is kind of the vehicle to do that it it in the society that we live in so you know 
Do they want to buy a house or do they want to stay free and move from country to country? You know, what what do they want to do? And it's basically, you know, by playing games with them, board games, you find out that their different, you know, strategies are, you know, they're forming those different strategies about how to play the game. So they might be, you know, sticking with one colour in Uno or whatever. Or in Monopoly, you know, I have my youngest child who always, always (laughs) wins. (laughs) She's just absolutely ruthless. Whereas my eldest would, you know, give money out to whoever had the least in the board game. (laughs) She's just so sweet. So, you know, basically it's um, it's different, you know, and we're saying, well, that's fine in a board game, sweetie, but, you know, you're going to have to learn some ruthlessness. (laughs) So, yeah, it's, it's nice. It's nice for them to have the freedom and the safety sure. to do that within a game. And uh, it was great because, as we were saying before we, we hit the recording button, I was chatting to them and they, I mean, it was they were interested. In, and uh, I remember your eldest was saying, yeah, I'd actually like to start working already, but they just don't have enough opportunities. And But still, it, it was obvious that they, they were interested and that they were paying attention to, I mean, it's not easy yeah. through the speeches, but... She's very really? good at getting deals. Wow. She's really, really interested in that. And she'll she'll go out and get that perfect piece for her wardrobe, which her little sister will then mm-hmm. borrow. She's a monkey. Her little sister is a saver. She will literally hold on to the last dead gold coin in her <laughs> dead curled fingers. She's very, she's very clever with, uh, you know, using what other people are buying. And so she's like, Mummy, would you like to buy that top? And I'm like, is it something that you would like to buy, Genevieve? Because, you know, spending is an important part of your journey. <laughs> that's great. And um, I guess, yeah, they're, they're on this journey, that's true, of learning how, uh, how to manage their money. And do you have, would you say you have any, I don't want to say goals for them, because obviously they have to have their own goals, but what do you think ideally you want them doing by the age of 18 or, or more? I don't know. Is there anything? Um, I'd like them to have a part-time job or have at least tried that or tried to run their own business, you know, failed at a few things in a safe environment. I'm fine with that. You know, I um, we have the various different podcasts on in the background so I'm hoping that they're going to take a a wash of ideas from that so we obviously have my Europe (laughs) podcast which is on and they they love that now because they've met the stars so they're all really happy about that (laughs) Um, and then you know we listen to afford anything because I think she's really lovely and she's not total capitalist you know she's she's into life beyond money and um no debt no Mm -hmm. problem is a really lovely podcast by um Mm -hmm. Mary Wheeler and she, she's got the most incredibly gorgeous voice, but she, it's, it's American, so it's not necessarily tailored to our markets, but it's all about people who've got themselves out of huge debt and, you know, really made it through that. Um, they loved the surfing in the Fire Europe retreat, so that helped put a positive mm, spin on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I think that they liked, you know, kind of, being on the periphery of the adult world while we all discussed money and cash flow and stuff like that. You know, um, my littlest is asking me earnestly about ices. And I'm looking for one. <laughs> yeah, wow. And I'm looking for one with an app and a little graph so they can see their money growth. <laughs> this is amazing. I mean, anyone uh, listening to this who has children now knows that the Fire Europe retreat, this is this is what you've got to do to get your children. Uh, yeah, you might have to do a juniors yeah, version. No, it's not a bad idea. I think, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. But I think that the, the cachet for them was that they were allowed mm. into this 
adult world, basically. And they were such a welcoming group, you know. I mean, they were a bit like nonplussed why why 14 and 12-year-old were there. But they were very accommodating, very welcoming. So, you know, it was just, yeah, I tied it. I thought that tying it into sunshine and surf wouldn't be a bad thing for them. Yeah, and, and it's kind of, I think... Uh because they were taken seriously, I think, also. To, to, they understood yes. exactly. Yeah, they were treated with respect and asked for their opinions. Exactly, from even from the age of eight, I don't know. Actually, I wouldn't know what age, but you're, anyone is welcome to, to learn about. Because money is something we're always going to have to manage, uh, whether you're an artist, a surfer, yeah. or a banker, or whatever. Uh, and even at the age of 12, even at the age of 10, you're going to get in touch with it. So it's good that everyone is included. So Yeah. Yeah. And it was great because, you know, it was my, it was my idea. It was my thing that I wanted to go to. So my husband had to go out <laughs> when he thought the girls were getting bored and he didn't want mm. them to have to fidget through things. But he could take them off and enjoy yeah. the surroundings. You know, it's very, it, it worked well. Yeah, plus Algarve is... Algezura is so beautiful. So yeah. lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Retreat was great. We're, we're going to do another one next year. <laughs> <laughs> well, when for you sure. can get yourself back from Kuala Lumpur. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So um, coming back to a bit uh, financial education. So yes, obviously a part-time job is a great way to get in touch with money. And plus it's a great kickstart to their career, right? Because they uh, start learning what it's like to work with people. I think that's also a really big part. And what, what what about university? Is this something on the horizon or, or yeah, do you have any plans? I am ha- happy for them to go to university. It helped my confidence just having that in my back pocket. But I was from a family where had I not gone to university, it would have been quite hard. So um, if it will help them with their confidence, even if they're not that sure about it, then, yeah, I would encourage them to do it because it can give you a level of, yeah, I've ticked that box and you just go on with the next thing. But with the amount of debt that they'll accrue, I'm not sure whether they will go for that or not. It's entirely up to them. We were going to, you know, basically sell everything and our mortal souls to try and put them through college. But I've read so much and listened to so much now that says that if you give them that ownership, then A, they'll value it more. And B, they'll have to become financially aware earlier. And I think that might be the more important lesson for them to learn than even getting a degree, because um, the earlier you start, the more you can set and forget. So I'm really keen for them to be able to do that. I just want them to be, you know, sort of have systems in their lives where they're not constantly worried about money because they've got income flowing in from passive income streams or they at least know how to create those streams. Yes, that's um, definitely, I, I don't know many other families who would think that way. So that's very, very fi of you. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, it will be really hard because we mm. would, we will feel so guilty because we had no, we had none of this debt, you know, but I think the most important thing we can do is make sure we're not a burden on them at any point in our lives. And, you know, hopefully we'll still have the property that we can pass on to them. And we'll probably do that really early in a trust or something so that it's like a company, a family company or something, you know, if it's worth doing that, I doubt it will be. But, um, you know, we'll try and find, we're trying to look for someone who's a good financial advisor who can sort of teach us how to do this Mm, and plan for this because I'm a mega planner and it's driving me nuts that I don't know enough about, you know, finance to plan it, 
really yeah. seamlessly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I understand that we have to fumble through, but I need some more. I need someone with good information on how to plan going forward. And nobody really has the idea that I have around mortgages or saving. They're all very traditional viewpoints. So I'm kind of, I really want to find a FI <laughs> financial advisor. Yes. <laughs> Where, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know any in the UK, but um, I, th- I definitely get, think getting expert advice is a good good uh, way to get there and also um this is interesting that you're talking about this also because there's a fine line i think between you know so obviously you have your own children you want to help them but you want to, you don't want to give it all to them either because if not they might not build the drive and your, your daughters already have a lot of drive from from what i've seen uh but how do you how are you going to try and keep that so obviously you want to still help them but you also want them to build their own lives how are you trying to work around that i mean university is just uh example but so maybe instead of you know paying for their education you want them to build it themselves but i'm not just talking about education i'm talking about their lives in general how do you want to make sure they build their own life and you're not uh i don't know giving it all or or so if they don't go to university you know they've got uh, we've indulged their every women wish you know on on the extracurricular front so they do cheer dance three or four different types of dance gymnastics um, any sport that they ever want to do from climbing to archery Um, so you know they've got a really good broad gamut of what they can choose for and they feel physically very empowered which I think is mega important for your mental health going forward and it's tough in your mid-20s it's like the toughest time I found so I I really want them to have (laughs) the endorphins to get them through that and you know my my youngest is already talking about setting up a dance school and how you know you know she's all set with that she was going to be an actor and and dancer and singer and now she's going to um save us from this environmental catastrophe so that's good but I think she might also be a dance teacher on the side I'm not sure how that's going to work but it's it's all about empowerment and and saying yes and to them so you're not saying well that's going to be difficult because I found that with my parents I um every single career I came up with was difficult for some reason very competitive I I wasn't good enough it was all um, very, very negative. And it was just out of fear. They were trying to protect me, but it was just the most incredibly <laughs> negative messaging. So I, anything that they say they want to do, I'm like, fine. What do you need us to support you with? You know, do you need us at all? Or do you want to just go ahead with that? That's fine. That, that's basically my job. It's just to be the wind beneath their wings and help them to find a way through. You know, you hear about kids starting up charities and, helping the homeless and stuff like that. And I want them to not have the burden of, you know, competing with those children who obviously feel the drive, but, you know, they can do whatever speaks to them. Yeah, that's, uh, wow, your daughters have an amazing mother, (laughs) amazing parents. Oh, thank you. They they don't always think so when I'm stuck. Well, obviously, (laughs) but I have to say that uh, I completely agree with you. And my parents, I was very lucky to have parents who supported me exactly like you are supporting your daughters. And everything that I said, they were like, yep, sure. They trusted me, you know. Uh, when I told them university, I'm not going to do it. It's not my thing. They were like, 
my mom was like, I completely understand. Why don't you try online university? So I tried it for a year and I said, I'm sorry, I'm going to try something else. And she was like, okay, as long as you know what you're doing. <laughs> and I don't always know what I'm doing, of course, but... Perfect. Yes. No, but that's not the point. And in, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's from a place of fear for her. You know, <laughs> she's like, yes, just yes, don't fall and scrape your knee, darling. <laughs> but but you've got to scrape your knee to but find think- out how not to do it next time, don't you? So... And I mean, God, if I had a child that was as motivated as you, I'd be amazed. I'd be so happy. Well, I think give, give your daughters a few years. But because my mother, just like what you're doing, uh, her parents were what uh, you're saying your parents did to you. They, they uh, were very negative and, and weren't letting her do what she wanted. And I think now she's learned from that. And she's like, yep, you can, you're, you can do what you need to do. So that's definitely a right move. Uh, for your, for your two daughters. Cool. Sure. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> and last question on this topic. What do you, I'm mean, just for people listening who have children, maybe around the same age as yours and who want them to be a bit more financially educated. What do you think, what are some tips or what do you recommend them to do to maybe encourage some financial education? Um, I think the games that I mentioned, so um, Shopping List by Orchard Games and Monopoly, it's a great one. I think that cash flow for me was more about getting into debt and investing with that debt. And that's not really very me, unless you count mortgage debt. (laughs) So um, I think if you explain things, why you're doing them and just gently kind of put it in not a negative light. So it's not a we can't afford anything. Why are you asking for it? But, you know, well, yeah, we could do that. Let's save towards it. If you want to go to, you know, see Taylor Swift, then that could be the Christmas present. Are you happy for that to be your only Christmas present? Because, you know, that's a lot of money. So, you know, and they'll say yes, and we'll have a really nice experience out and it'll be the family Christmas present. So, you know, we we don't create money from nowhere. It doesn't just come out of a, a magic bag. It's would you like to go to the cinema? Fine. If you go to the cinema, we'll take pizza from home because then we won't get out to Pizza Express. We'll be able to go to the cinema. So it's it's just different ways around, different approaches around. So you don't live less. You just do it differently. So you don't have you don't have less experiences, but you just take your lunch with you or have it before you go or, you know, anything that can sort of bring their awareness to the fact that, you know, that money doesn't magically come out of a plastic card. It just, it has to be earned and you have to know whether that's valuable to you. So is it valuable enough for an hour of my time to spend on this thing? I think that's it. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. And I think the games is definitely yeah a good idea. And, and just to- being, talking about it, talking about money in a comfortable way is a big one. And we're open Making about our normal. spreadsheets so they know how much yeah. bread costs. So I go shopping with them and we'll compare prices. And, you know, they wouldn't be like a, a UK politician. They would know how much things cost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Mm. That's really great. Okay, well, we have some interesting final questions number one where can people find you online if they want to get in contact with you maybe ask you some questions sure um rosie underscore farrell so that's r-o-s-i-e underscore farrell f for freddy a double at hotmail.com um i've got a website 
for my Pilates, which is rosylifestyle.com. And I've got Instagram, which I very rarely upload onto unless my 14-year-old helps me, <laughs> which is <laughs> rosy underscore lifestyle underscore. And I'm really happy to receive emails. I actually recently sent out a little posting on Facebook to see whether people would like to get together and share ideas about how to parent financially responsible kids. And I didn't put it that dryly (laughs) but however (laughs) nobody came back I think people get worried about identity fraud and stuff and I wasn't really thinking you know we'd be swapping bank accounts I just I just wanted to see if we could do I don't know maybe little I even thought of an enterprise club for kids would be a nice way for them to earn money and sort of support each other on their different ideas but um it's just hard to get people enthused about that it's hard to find other people that kind of get what you're talking about um and because we're out in the east of england it's a, it's two hours away from london so they're a bit less interested in that side of things or at least i haven't found the groups that are <laughs> well if there are any listeners who um would be interested i yeah that'd be I'm sure they'll get in contact mm. that's uh Definitely. I know a lot of people. I mean, Matthias, you know, my co-host. Yes. Uh, he would definitely be interested in that kind of thing. Brilliant. Uh, although his children are a bit young yeah. right now, but he would still be. I don't know. They're bright. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, for at four, four and eight months old. <laughs> they seem bright to me. They'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well I'll, I'll let him know. But anyway, we'll add those in the show notes. So if anyone wants to get in contact, it can be very easily done. I was thinking that and, even after cash flow game, you know, they have meetups and I, I'm not really into the game so much, but I thought maybe I'd sneak along for a meetup in London sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> see whether sure. the people were interested in doing something more locally. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you'll find someone. Well, we'll add th- those links in the show notes. And question number two: What is one resource not well known that you would recommend to others? A blog, a podcast, a book? I know you mentioned a few already, but yeah. you have one that's not well known. Okay bit off topic but for the subject of kids I've got a really brilliant book which is called how to talk to teens and have them listen and how to listen so they'll talk and it's by Adele Faber and Elaine Maslish and it's changed my world (laughs) it's got cartoons in it because I am time poor and do not have time to find the right chapter for when I'm having a meltdown with one of them (laughs) so I just um it's it's just so Um, lovely on how to you know respect and trust your kids and you know really give them the time and just slow down and listen to them because often they'll have the solutions to their own problems we don't need to jump in with answers for them they just actually need to be heard and uh, yeah just absolutely love that and I also just came across on Afford Anything this other person called Jamie Masters who is the eventual millionaire and her whole ethos I'm not sure is totally my bag she's um she seems great and everything but I loved that she said that she could remember a time when she didn't know what her purpose was she didn't know she didn't have that feeling of being like a dart through wood you know and I really I really love that she was so open about that although she does look about 25 so I'm not that sympathetic (laughs) she's obviously found her purpose now and I'd love you know I'd love to have that feeling um we we have read the reset book. We feel like we've got our reset number, but we don't know what's next. You know, Jay's still working. I'm still working. We, we're not really sure what the next thing is. So we're kind of like, oh, 
this, but what happens next? So we're desperately trying to read on, but I think we're also um, not making enough time to read the next chapter because we're trying mm. probably, we're probably slightly worried about what the next step is. <laughs> so sell all your houses and move to Acapulco. <laughs> so yeah, but that's, oh, wow. that's a really good book. <laughs> Yes. Well, we'll link those in the show notes too. Um, and um, oh, sorry. There's a cult of not being busy. So, cult of ooh. being busy is where everybody kind of rushes around saying that they're busy. And I think it's really important to the Fi community are really good at this. Like um, one of the participants who gave a speech about learning a language in a year, and I just thought that was so brilliant because you've got to have some goals outside just building up a pot of money. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I uh, actually we're going to interview uh, the author of Ultra Learning. I don't know Excellent. if you've heard of this book, and he he talks a lot about that. This guy stopped talking English for a year wow. to learn <laughs> like tons of other that languages is and ultra, <laughs> ultra exactly. And he like just forces himself to learn tons of things in like a month. It's crazy. So I'm wow. really looking forward to. Seeing what he's got to say, I can send you yeah, his book if you want. Uh, definitely, maybe that'd be awesome. on how to, he does all these challenges yeah. and that seem impossible, but then he does them. I think he learned how to code in like I don't know, a few weeks or something. What? I can't remember what they were. Love that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you should get in touch with him. <laughs> yeah, no, we are. Well, we're going to interview him. On the I podcast, mean, you should so. use him as your mentor. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Well, first we'll interview him and then we'll see. Yeah, yeah. See how it goes but, from um, there. Let it blossom. <laughs> yes, yes. Let it let it flow. Okay. Uh, Third question and last question. What is your number one actionable tip for someone to get started on their path to financial independence? Um, find out what you're spending your money on. Have a weekly spreadsheet and let the kids look at that. And I would also say, um, along with the cult of being busy thing and trying to get yourself out of the mindset of always forcing yourself to seem busy, because that just raises your heart rate and doesn't do any good for your body all the time. Try and get the sharing mindset. So think of it, think of money as being in abundance rather than scarcity, because the scarcity mindset makes you closed in on yourself. And I think that it feels like, you know, there are a lot of recent political decisions that are being made out of fear and scarcity mindset. And I think that if people had a more open, abundant sharing mindset, people would be better off in general and people's mental health would be better. Yeah, I very much agree. Mental health is a big thing. Mm. And uh, yeah, I never really thought about, yeah, sharing. Sharing is caring. And mm. uh, the more you share, the more. <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know. I think especially in the FI world or in this money world, we're encouraged to save, keep our own money, yeah. invest it and, and think about ourselves only yeah. right yeah um and when i interviewed sebastian from impactivated and he told me well we were talking about how actually reaching financial dependence you can do so much more of an impact you can help so many more people we're in the best mm. position possible to help others yes and yet it's not really a topic that's discussed that much no and there's a big thing in america about you exactly. know now what do you want to you know be a patron for you know and it's just so cool but what we're trying to do is rather we're doing a, a bit more like paula pant would do it and we're doing little and often as we go along so we vote with our feet you know we we use the co-op bank because we believe in their ethos mm. you know we we try and choose ethical investments we try and 
shop locally, we try and shop naturally, we try and, you know, all of those things, we're trying to build it into our daily spend so that we support it and it keeps going so that we've still got it in the future to to buy. Being intentionally ethic. Yeah, I yeah. like that. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Wow. Okay. This has been really interesting. And I think uh, listeners with children and me, but probably even without, uh, will have learned a lot on how getting your children aware of financial education can go very far. So, uh, Roisin, thank you very much for being on the episode. Thank you, Araminta. It's lovely talking to you. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this. Subscribing to your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review. Following us on Instagram and Twitter at Financial Independence Europe. Sending us an email with questions and feedback. We would love to hear from you. All the mentioned articles, books and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu. Thank you for listening and see you next time.